Have you ever been called lazy, crazy, not good enough, or otherwise unsavory by a narcissist? Have you ever been made to doubt your own reality, your own perception, and even your ability to function in this world? Well, my friend, if you have, you might be experiencing cognitive dissonance. This is one of the effects of being in a relationship with a toxic narcissist. And that's exactly what we're talking about today at queenbeing.com, cognitive dissonance, and exactly what it is, what it looks like, how to identify it, and what you can do to stop it. Now make sure you stay tuned to the end of this video when I'm going to talk about how you can actually change your life and change your cognitive dissonance. I'm going to share with you some free tools to help you take your recovery to the next level. There's no catch here. There's nothing except go pick up your free tools. So let's get started. My name is Angie Atkinson and on this channel I offer free daily video coaching to help you discover, understand, and overcome narcissistic abuse in toxic relationships. I like to call it toxic relationship rehab. So if that sounds good to you, hit that subscribe button and we will just get going. So the first thing you need to know is that cognitive dissonance and gaslighting are very connected. But I'm not going to go into all the details of gaslighting in this video. So I'm going to leave a link for you right there. So make sure you take a look at that video when we're finished here. All right. Next, we're going to talk about how do we identify and understand what cognitive dissonance truly is. We're going to talk about who introduced the theory of cognitive dissonance as well as exactly what cognitive dissonance means. So take a look. What is cognitive dissonance? The cognitive dissonance theory was first introduced by an American social psychologist named Leon Festinger in 1957. Essentially, it states that as humans, we are predisposed to seek internal constancy. Basically, what that means is that in general, our beliefs, our thoughts, our opinions must correspond with our actions and our behavior and our attitude. This way, we don't really feel the stress of trying to live in a way that doesn't correspond with our beliefs. But if dissonance, discomfort, or inconsistency of any kind is experienced, we tend to feel psychological discomfort, and we strive hard to reduce that or to avoid it altogether. What this means is that we have a sort of predetermined drive to hold all of our attitudes and behavior in harmony and to avoid disharmony or dissonance. This is known as the principle of cognitive consistency. When our attitudes or behaviors don't match, it creates dissonance. If we're going to get rid of the dissonance, we must change something. We aren't programmed to allow the dissonance to continue. As a matter of fact, we feel mild to serious mental and emotional stress if we can't resolve it. But here's where your narcissist comes in. Since they make it nearly impossible for us to remain sane and to resolve the dissonance, well, it adds to our already full emotional plate. How much damage it causes us will depend on the level to which we take seriously the issue over which we have cognitive dissonance. Of course, the theory is the greater the dissonance, the more you will naturally feel motivated to resolve it. Why do we have cognitive dissonance? Cognitive dissonance basically happens when our own self-image is contradicted by what happens in our lives. So for example, if we see ourselves as strong and intelligent people, but then we end up with a controlling, abusive person in our lives, we feel weak and we feel less intelligent, and we question who we are and what we are doing in that relationship. This happens for several reasons. For example, we believe what we do, and our ethics are what they are, based on what we feel is very important to us, things that really matter in the bigger picture. But our actions tend to be based around instant gratification personal comfort, or very often for survivors of abuse, a desire to keep the peace in our environment on some level. Next up, we're going to talk about the silver lining of cognitive dissonance. The truth is there are a couple of actual pros to this particular state of mind. So take a look at that. 
pros and cons of cognitive dissonance. Wait, there are pros to cognitive dissonance? Well, yeah, actually. See, in a healthy situation, cognitive dissonance allows us to question ourselves and our perceptions and then to take action to positively change our lives. In fact, if we choose to use it to our advantage instead of just reliving our traumas over and over again, well, cognitive dissonance can become the engine that will help drive us to new levels of evolution. It literally drives nearly all discoveries and new thought processes that lead to them. The downside is that if we just sort of relieve the pressure instead of actually fixing the problem, well, we're shortcutting ourselves to nowhere. Sure, we'll feel some temporary relief. And yeah, we'll be far more comfortable but we definitely won't evolve or get anywhere new in our lives. Now that we've understood that, what exactly does cognitive dissonance have to do with narcissistic abuse recovery? Why am I talking about it? Well, take a look. What does cognitive dissonance have to do with narcissistic abuse recovery? When we're in a toxic relationship with a narcissist, he or she will use cognitive dissonance against us as a tool to more easily gain and maintain control. In fact, this is one of the key tactics used to psychologically abuse you and emotionally abuse you. Though it offers the narcissist the chance to mess with your head and get that control they so desperately want, it also leads you, the victim, to doubt your own reality. You doubt your perception, your beliefs, your own thoughts even. You start to develop a sense of confusion, and you generally feel unreal or less real than other people around you. You stop trusting your own perception, and you start to rely on the narcissist to tell you what's real. And guess what? This gives the narcissist what they want. More control. And how exactly are you supposed to identify cognitive dissonance in your relationship? Well, you know I got you covered. Take a look at this. How can you identify cognitive dissonance in a toxic relationship? In a toxic relationship, cognitive dissonance can obviously become debilitating for the victim. When the narcissist implies that you're weak, you're not good enough, you don't care enough, whatever, or that you're otherwise flawed, but you believe that you're a strong, compassionate, and loving person, well, that causes dissonance. You might attempt to resolve it like this. I'm a compassionate person who loves you, but you say I'm not giving you enough or I'm otherwise flawed or unfit to be in this relationship. So I will do my best to try to understand you and change myself to meet your needs. Or worse, like this. I am a compassionate person who loves you, but you say I'm not giving you enough or I'm otherwise flawed or unfit to be in this relationship. So I must be exactly what you say I am. Next up, we're going to talk about how do we resolve cognitive dissonance in our lives, in our relationships, in ourselves. Well, it's a process, but we're going to start here by talking about Festinger's ideas as far as what he says resolves cognitive dissonance. Take a look. So how do you resolve cognitive dissonance? Well, there are three primary ways to resolve this, according to Festinger's theory. First, you can change your beliefs or your ethics. It's the most obvious way that we resolve cognitive dissonance is simply to change our minds and our beliefs and or our ethics. We choose to start believing that action, behavior, or attitude that caused the cognitive dissonance really is okay. This is obviously the least effective way to reduce or eliminate cognitive dissonance because it essentially asks us to change who we are at the core. So while it might be the easiest way to go, it is definitely a road less traveled for most survivors of abuse. Part of the way that we interpret the world is based out of these beliefs and ethics. So we would need to almost relearn how to function if we did this too often. Number two, we can change what we're doing. The second way to resolve cognitive dissonance involves a change in behavior or attitude or actions to match your beliefs or ethics. The only problem here is that there tends to be a lot of guilt and anxiety involved with cognitive dissonance. And while both can spur change in our lives, neither one is really healthy and neither one is really a condition under which we can effectively learn. 
Plus, some people are going to train themselves not to feel these things, which would eliminate their effectiveness in change. So the best way to create change then would be to get a whole new level of understanding without changing your beliefs or your actions. Which brings me to number three, change your perception. The most often employed way of dealing with cognitive dissonance is to change the way you see your actions. So if you feel bad that you cheated on a test, for example, you might rationalize it by deciding that the test wasn't really that important and maybe it was unfairly administered or whatever so that your choice to cheat would become less unethical because the test was faulty. So basically you sort of reframe what happened with these newly determined facts and you eliminate the cognitive dissonance by making what you did okay in your mind. All right, now it's time to talk about your free toolbox that I've prepared for you. This is your personal evolution toolbox. Go ahead and go to the link in the description below and pick up your free cognitive dissonance toolbox. It comes with not only a report, which is about I think 15 pages, but also an actual workbook that you can print out and work through, or you can just use your notebook and, and write down the answers. It will help you to process and work through cognitive dissonance on your own. It's a DIY kind of thing. So make sure you pick that up at the link in the description below. This brings me to the question of the day. And the question of the day is, do you think that you have experienced cognitive dissonance? Have you already gotten through it? Are you still going through it? And if you did get through it, share your thoughts as to how you did it. Maybe you can help another survivor to get through it today. And if you're still going through it, let me know how else I can help you with this issue because I'm going to do a little series on this and make sure you pick up your free tools at the link in the description below. As always, thank you so much for being a part of my day and a part of my life. And hey, thanks for letting me be a part of yours. It really does mean a lot to me. Now, don't forget to check the videos I'm leaving for you right here and right here. Oh, and while you're here, go ahead and hit that subscribe button right there so that we can continue on this healing journey together. And don't forget, you're never alone because you always have your spanily. See you soon.